This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. And here I am, Adam the Bull on a Wednesday. It is The Bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. And we've got a lot to get into today. We're talking NBA Finals. Game number three is tonight. Why have the Heat been so good in this postseason? I heard some interesting thoughts on this by a former NBA player that I want to share with you. Also, I'm not much of a golf guy. In fact, I hate the sport. But we got to talk about this nonsense with the Live Golf and the PGA Golf now combining efforts of evilness. We'll get to that coming up in the podcast. Plus, why are MLB GMs stupid? They're supposed to be a bunch of nerds from college. And I say nerds effectively, uh, affectionately, not effectively. Well, effectively and affectionately, because I appreciate a good nerd. I'm nerdy when it comes to baseball, certainly. But sometimes they're just so dumb. We'll get to all of that on this edition of The Bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're in the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Tonight, game three of the NBA Finals. And I take you to the latest Bet Rivers sportsbook line. And as of this morning, the Denver Nuggets are a two-and-a-half-point favorite at minus 112 to defeat the Miami Heat in game three. I needed something else to rhyme with defeat and heat. I didn't continue with that. That was too bad. But the Nuggets, a two-and-a-half-point favorite tonight, uh, expected to take the lead. I did see an interesting um, number that I liked tonight uh, at, at Bet Rivers. Um, Nikola Jokic, over 47-and-a-half. Well, it's actually... Um, it's actually a parlay here. They've got an interesting parlay for the game tonight. Bam Adebayo, over 29.5 points, rebounds, and assists combined. Jimmy Butler, under 43.5 points, rebounds, assists. Michael Porter Jr., over 11.5 points scored. Jokic, points, rebounds, assists, over 47.5, and, and over 205 total is plus 100. Um, and I, I kind of like I kind of like that that entire parlay. But I really love the the points, rebounds, and assists over for Jokic. I think he's going to have over fifty tonight. I think the game's going over. I think Michael Porter will score. I, I, Jokic is going to have a huge assist game tonight. I, I I got him with fifteen assists in this game. I love Denver tonight. I think they're going to win. Um, I think the Heat will win Game Four. I think the Nuggets will win game five and then win game six in Miami. That I picked them in six to start the series. I still like them in six. 
So impressed with what the Heat have done. Undermanned across the way. They were undermanned against Milwaukee. They were undermanned against, not against the Knicks, but undermanned against Milwaukee, undermanned against uh, Boston. They're undermanned against Denver. I think they'll finally fall short when this is all said and done. If they win this series, it's just remarkable. Uh, even at 1-1, and and now that they've taken uh, home court advantage in this series, at least for the moment, the Heat still remain plus 220 at Bet Rivers to win the series. So if you like the Heat, you know, there you go. But I do think in the end, Denver will take over. But I heard an interesting comment yesterday. I was listening to Brian Scalabrini, who I really like. Uh, he's a great basketball analyst, former NBA player. And somebody asked him, why do the Heat get so many open shots? Because it has seemed like quite often in this postseason, the Heat are taking, like, their, their shooting percentage has been amazing, especially in the games they've won. They've shot the lights out. And it seems like they get more open shots than most teams. And you, and you think, and it's a good question, like, why is that happening? Why are the Heat getting shots that other teams are not getting? And Brian Scalabrini's answer to the question was that they're the most patient team in the NBA. If you think about it, you have a 24-second shot clock. Most of the time, the shot clock is not approaching zero. And when it does, teams often panic. You know it's not happening often because you notice it when it does. And it's in, in the reality of the game, it's not that many possessions that go down to the final couple of seconds. Well, his point is that, and, and he's right, and it really was an eye-opening comment because it's not something you think about. He says the Heat worked the clock better than any team in the NBA. And that eventually, no matter how good a team you're playing, Milwaukee, Boston, Denver, no matter how good they are defensively, all those teams good defensively, that everybody, even if it's the playoffs, doesn't matter. That eventually teams get lazy towards the end of the shot clock because they, they were working hard defensively and teams get lazy defensively in the final, you know, eight seconds, five seconds, whatever it may be. And if you don't panic and you keep making, finding the open man that eventually with enough time, Somebody gets lazy defensively, and you get that open look. And the reason more teams don't do that is because, A, they're not patient enough, and, B, he made another great point, that there are a lot of players in the league, he thinks, that if they make a move to the basket and ultimately pass, they think they've failed. They think they've not done their job. and That's a bad attitude. I shouldn't say it's a bad attitude. It's a bad thought. It's not true. And so that leads to this situation. And it leads to the situation where teams force up shots before they got the right shot. Or you're playing with a bunch of superstars who think, well, every shot I take is the best shot. But that's not the case. And that's why the Heat gets so many open looks. The Nuggets in game two got lazy defensively at the end of the shot clock. It happened time and time again when you go back and watch it. Um, so I thought that was a fascinating, interesting answer from Brian Scalabrini. And when you think about it in the bigger picture, you know, in basketball, 
in a seven-game series, the better team usually wins. More often than the... I'm not going to compare to football. But if you compare it to baseball and hockey, the better the better team wins a lot less in baseball or hockey. You get a hot pitcher. You get a hot goalie. It totally turns things around. You see road team. We, we've been talking about this the whole season in the NHL. Or not the whole season, but the whole postseason. The road team's winning all the time. Right now, it looks like at the moment that the Golden Knights, they're the better team. They've, they're up 2-0. They probably win the series, but you know it, it could change in a hurry. We've seen that time and time again, NHL and MLB. In basketball, the better team wins almost all the time. But but so far, the Heat have beaten two teams in this postseason that they're that are way bet more talented than they are. You might even argue the Knicks are more talented. I don't know that the Knicks are more talented than the Heat. It's probably close, but certainly Milwaukee and 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 Boston are more talented teams. I don't even know if it's that close. But Miami plays, and both these teams, give credit to Denver too. They're unselfish teams. Uh, Jokic and Butler are unselfish superstars. Throw in Murray, who's a borderline superstar for Denver too. Unselfish players. They, They believe in their teammates. It's not about me, it's about us. That's how these teams play. But Miami takes it to the, the an incredible degree, and that's why they're able to beat better teams. And this is going to be interesting to see how this affects the, the the regular season going forward because Miami, almost to the to a fault, because they almost got eliminated and didn't make the playoffs. But they don't they didn't really show much interest in in the regular season, and they have you know arguably the best front office leader in Pat Riley, definitely you know. I don't know about arguably. He is the best. And the best coach in Eric Spolstra. And they grill these guys. I mean, they they just, it's all about the team. It's all about finding that open shot. It's all about being patient. No dribble, dribble, shoot. No me only basketball. Team basketball. Denver does it too. They're also well coached. And that's why, I th- even though the Denver's more talented, I still expect to be a good series. Now, unlike Boston and Milwaukee, I think Denver will ultimately, their talent will win out because they're also unselfish, because they're also hardworking. Um, and, and, and they give that. I, I, think they'll, I think they'll see what they did wrong in game two, and they will play insane defense is my guess tonight. But it, it was really some interesting comments uh, by Scalabrini there. All right. I got to talk about this golf situation. Um, anybody that knows me knows I, I can't stand golf. I think it's a rich person sport. I'm not rich. I don't play it. I find it boring as hell. I know it's not really a rich person sport. I have, I have some buddies who are not rich either, and they play all the time, and they love it. But growing up in Brooklyn, I was like, I was, you know, we had, we had one golf course in Brooklyn. I think I played once in my life as a kid. Not as a kid. It was like, you know, until 25. I was like, this is horrible. Why would anybody play this? This sucks. It's boring. A few years ago, some fans of mine here in Cleveland, they were they 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 asked me to play a round of golf with them. And I was like, all right. They finally talked me into it. They wore me down. I was out there for four holes. Um, 
and I, 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 I be honest, I quit. I was like, this is I'm, everything hurts. This is boring. We play. We've been playing an hour and a half. We played four holes. I can't spend my entire day playing golf. I feel like guys that play golf just don't like their families. You just don't want to be around your family. I don't know what it is. So for about two years, we've had competing golf tournaments. PGA Tour, Live Golf. This has been a big deal. Live Golf is ultimately owned by the, by the, by the Saudis, right? We know the long history, the long 20-year history here. Uh, a lot of people were angry. The the governor, uh, Yasir Al-Romayan, and I'm probably screwing up his name. I apologize, but uh, he he is the guy who's running Live Golf or, or financing Live Golf. The names are really irrelevant. Jay Monahan, though, is the PGA commissioner. And there's been a war of words between the two groups. There's been a war of words between the players on both sides. There's really been a strong dislike. Some of the players didn't think that the live player should be able to play in the in the majors. Um, and then yesterday it gets announced that the two sides are merging, that Live Golf has essentially won this battle with the PGA Tour. Um, and now all the players that were loyal to the PGA that decided to not sell their souls for the money that guys like Phil Mickelson and others did. Um, and listen, uh, everybody's got to make their own choice. Um, we got idiots out there that want to protest everything. And that, and by the way, that's on both sides of the political aisle. My thoughts on people with their idiotic protests is the same as my thoughts on religion. Believe what you want. Just don't tell me about it. Do whatever you want to do for yourself. Don't force your beliefs on me. It's all good, all right? I don't need to protest uh, Target, and I don't need to protest Chick-fil-A. You you want to? Good for you, okay? But so everybody made their own decision. You don't want to watch golf because the, the Saudis are involved with it. That That's up to you. You do, you do you. And maybe some people will stop watching. I don't know. I do think it's pathetic that the PGA caved so quickly in this situation and the commi- and and a lot of the players in the PGA are angry about this. Uh, there was a meeting yesterday. Jay Monahan was called a, a hypocrite, which he certainly is. Um, he he talked a big talk, and in the end, he sold out. Um, PGA Tour winner Johnson Wagner said there was a lot of anger in the room yesterday when this was discussed. "Quote: It was contentious." There were many moments where certain players were calling for new leadership of the PGA Tour and even got a couple of standing ovations. There were lawsuits going on. Now they're going to get back together. What does this mean in terms of advertising? Is the, are, are the Saudis with the, through Live Golf going to be running advertising? I, I, I don't know if that's all been determined yet. Will there be a new commissioner? Will, will it be called something else? Not the PGA Tour, not live. What, what will it be called? I don't know. I honestly don't care, but I know there's a lot of people out there that do. So I will keep a curious eye on this. But it, it's just pathetic that the PGA Tour, after being such tough guys, and after like, and, and now the guys who went to the Live Golf, 
who were criticized and made all this money, well, they they make out. They're, they still make this money. The guys who took a stand get screwed here, and that's unfortunate. Uh, man, they, a Tiger could have made a ton of money. He did, decided not to go. So, But now they're all back together again. So the guys who were principled about this, I had I I got respect for that, uh, you know I, I I there was I was talking to somebody yesterday it was like those guys are idiots they should have taken the money you know, again don't tell somebody else what to do, let you make your own choice. And those people made a choice, and I respect that. Um, and now they're all back together again. Now it's going to be interesting. The one interesting thing about this is going forward, like. This a lot of this bad blood. Like, what's that going to play like? Maybe it'd be good for golf. I find golf so boring. You know, some rivalries, some hatred, some bad blood. Can we actually talk? I I went to a golf event once with the quiet, the quiet. You know, with these other sports, hockey, baseball, football, basketball, people are screaming and yelling like madmen. These clowns are wearing their white pants and their dopey flat brim hats, and everybody's got to be quiet all the time. It should, be, it should be like Happy Gilmore. We should be screaming at golf. We should be chanting. It'd be more interesting. Probably giving people a heart, a heart attack just saying that. Anyway, that's all I got for you on the golf. But uh, I, I will be interested to see what happens here. Uh, after, you know, now they're going to pretend they love each other and this is best for everybody. Folks, in the end, with all these situations, it's all about the rich getting richer. It's all about the people that are already rich making more money. That's it. So I, I can't worry about that. I don't worry about me and my family. All right, I want to get to baseball. You know, I don't get it right all the time. Nobody gets it right all the time. Um, there's a lot of people in my business who are afraid to admit, admit when they make a mistake. For example. I'll give you an example of, of a time where I screwed up miserably. When I did my baseball preview show on this podcast here, you may remember that for American League Cy Young, my American League Cy Young, my pick was Alec Manoa, the Blue Jays. That was my pick. He has been so bad this year. That he just got sent to the minors yesterday. Guy finished third in the Cy Young last year. And now he's in the minors. My MVP in the American League, Jose Ramirez. He's had a mediocre season. He's not winning the MVP. And my AL rookie, Grayson Rodriguez, has been terrible for Baltimore. So, uh, someone like me, I consider myself a baseball aficionado. I know the sport really well. Yeah, well, my American League pick sucked, and I, I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm not okay. I don't want to get them wrong, but we all get them wrong sometimes. That being said, I believe that I would make a great GM in Major League Baseball because there are some things that Major League Baseball GMs do consistently that almost never works, and that's spend big money on players who are already towards the end or past their prime, especially when it comes to players that are injury prone. This past off season, the Texas Rangers, 
who are having a magnificent season and have done a lot of other things well. The Rangers are 20 games over 500. They've won five in a row. They have a four and a half game lead over Houston in the, in the American League West. They're just two and a half games behind Tampa Bay for the best record in all of baseball. They are very likely going to the playoffs. They got the best run differential of plus 155. But like a lot of lot of te- lot of other teams, they made the stupid mistake of getting locked in on a pitcher that should never have gotten a long-term contract. The Texas Rangers signed a free agent deal with Jacob DeGrom that will pay him uh, $185 million over five years with a $37 million option. The Rangers agreed to that contract with Jacob DeGrom, who turned uh, will turn 35 years old this uh, fact in, in about two weeks and has consistently missed time due to injury. In fact, the last time DeGrom pitched a full season was the shortened season of 2020, the COVID season, where he made all 12 of his starts. Since then, he pitched 92 innings in 21, and he pitched 64 innings. So we all understand that Jacob DeGrom, when he's healthy, is an incredible talent. However, in a season where he's about to turn 35, and when he had only made a total of 26 starts over the last two years in 156 innings, why would you ever give that guy a five-year contract? Now, if you wanted to sign him for one year, I don't care how much you pay him for one year. It's one year. But why would you ever give a guy a long-term contract? There was no way this contract was going to work, and already it's been a disaster. He's made six starts. He's, of course, pitched well for the most part in those six starts. I think five out of six. Um, but he now he's going to have Tommy John surgery, which means he's out for all of this year, and he's going to miss maybe maybe all of next year, certainly half of next year. At his age, I don't know if he's going to pitch. So now you're going to get essentially nothing out of him the first two years of that contract. And by the time he's fully healthy again, well, he's going to be turning 37 years old. Good luck. We see this time and time again, even with smart teams. This compulsion to sign players to contracts that don't make sense. We see it. Now, the bigger the market, the bigger the payroll, the less it hurts because you can overcome, right? When the Mets signed Edwin Diaz, I said that was a stupid deal. All my New York friends were like, this is crazy. They've got an unlimited payroll. Paying a closer $20 million a year does never make sense. Now, I didn't think he was going to get hurt and miss the season. My point was that closers are not reliable from year to year. Outside of like five guys in history, they're not reliable from year to year. So why would you ever pay big money in a closer? New York fans, and I, I grew up in New York. I'm a New York guy, but I've become a, I've, I've changed my perspective over the years living outside of New York. And in that New York mindset is like, well, he's, he's good, so why would I not sign him? Well, because it never makes sense to pay a pick closer $20 million. And these teams consistently especially pitchers, like to sign a pitcher in his 30s to big contract long-term is crazy. And yeah, there are some guys that still pitch great deep into their 30s. Scherzer, we've seen it. We've seen it with Verlander. 
But those are rarities. Most con- period. Most long-term contracts that are signed with superstars end up being bad for the team. Most of them. Very few exceptions. And the ones that are signed with guys in their 30s, especially pitchers, I mean, I got, it's got to be like a 95% failure rate. It makes no sense to me that all these, these uh, Ivy League nerds that are running front offices keep screwing this up, but it happens all, all the time. That being said, it, it's, it's probably unfair to be too critical of Texas because they, Chris, uh, Chris Young, their GM's uh, done a fantastic job overall. I just think, you know, how much better would they have been if they, don't, they didn't have the Jacob DeGrom's $20 million on the payroll and they could add $20 million to the payroll, make another trade, whatever they want to do. Meanwhile, the, the, you know, they're just cooking along, and their pitching's been great. They need bullpen help. Their, I should say their starting pitching's been great. They, their bullpen's not good. But Nate Evaldi has bounced back in a big way. He's having a great season. John Gray, who, you know, could never get it together with Colorado. Not a big shock there. He's been great. Dane Dunning's done a great job. They booted him out of the rotation, but he's been great. Uh, and even Andrew Haney and Martin Perez have been pretty good. You know, good enough for the for a backer rotation. Texas got to improve their bullpen. Another story from Major League Baseball I want to hit on. Luis Arise of the Miami Marlins. This guy, people got to talk more about him. Luis Arise, yesterday, leadoff hitter for the Marlins, went two for four, bringing his batting average up over 400. He's hitting 401. We're almost, we're, we're three weeks from the halfway point of the season, and this guy's hitting 400. Now, you know, we've seen guys hit 400 into the summer. Tony Gwynn, Todd Helton, Larry Walker. There's been a couple others. Luis Arise, I mean, in in a in an era of baseball now that is all about the home run, all about launch angle, not caring about strikeouts. This guy just hits. What a great hitter he was. I it, you know, listen, Baltimore uh Minnesota needed pitching, but and and I understand the trade, but man, it had to be hard to give up this guy. Such a good hitter. And if you look at it, um, he's only struck out 11 times. 11. In fact, if you go back to, I'll take out his rookie year, where his strikeout rate was a tiny bit higher. But in the last four years, Luis Arise has had um about 1300 at bats uh really well about 1430 plate appearances for in the 1400s and he has only struck out 113 times that's remarkable in essentially three seasons And in the last two years, he's only struck out 54 times in almost 800 trips to the plate. That is a fantastic strikeout ratio. Guy's been phenomenal, having a magnificent season. He's got a three-war already, not even at the halfway point of the season. So, you got to love. Keep an eye on this guy. I loved him in Minnesota. I love him in Miami. 
All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Bullpen with Adam the Bull. Thanks to Brian Monzo for producing. Thanks to all of you for listening. I'll be back on Friday. We'll be doing some best bet videos this week as well. So we'll listen, we'll check you out next time. Where else but right here in the Bullpen with Adam the Bull. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.